Ahoy, motherfuckers. Welcome to Hindsight. I'm Derek. That's Brandon. We did uh, Ghostbusters 2. Um, it's funny. They still didn't fucking use Winston. Like, I thought they got better after the first movie. I really did, fam. For some reason, I thought they just learned their lesson and Winston got a bigger role in the second movie. Nope. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Oh, no, he's fine. I just thought that, you know, there was... Honestly, I counted. I counted. Because that's the kind of person I am. He got like 16 lines in the whole movie. Yeah, and most boy. of them were four words or less. He's a side character. He got the he got the big fight. Big fight. Yeah, when they but when they fell in the fucking oh, in the, slime, in the he was the one that was about to fight Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. That that was one of his biggest parts. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It just it 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 amused me, and yet at the same time it didn't. Um but Ghostbusters 2 came out in 1989. When's the first time you saw it, Brandon? Um, uh, sometime in the nineties. Okay, I couldn't tell you when, but sometime I, in the nineties. I probably saw it in the theaters. I am not one hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure that they probably had Bobby Brown, uh, in the teaser for the movie. So my mom and dad were probably like, "Oh my God, it's Bobby." <laughs> my name is Brown. That's what they call me. Where I hold up, I missed like a few minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Where was Bobby Brown in this movie? So Bobby Brown was in the section where they um went to the mayor's office. Oh he, yeah, the guy who let him in the door. He was a doorman. Okay. That was his whole role while his song played in the background. Which I means, thought you said he performed. No, he he had a role. That is performing technically. No. He had a role and he did the best Ghostbusters song in the history of ever. Yeah, but he didn't sing the song in the movie. No, they just played it throughout the movie. Yeah, they played the song. They played it like four times in the movie and then played it at the end credits. Um, They really, what was that other movie where they had like a theme song? This was literally, they were like, we got to get this. I'm sure the people made jokes about the bus that makes me feel good thing uh, that Ray Parker did. So they were like, we got to get that out of their mind. So they played this song repeatedly. Um, But this movie is literally the first time that I've ever seen a movie have absolutely no recap or anything to it at the beginning of it as a sequel. Five years but later. still say five years later. And the very first thing that pops up on the screen is five years later. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no preamble because they just know you saw the first movie. And what I read was that um, the reason why the movie took so long to come back and why it was like five, it's literally five years later from 1984 to 1989. The reason why there was this big gap in time is because the owner or the um, guy who was running uh, Columbia um, didn't like the, uh, they didn't like the fact that so much money was being spent on old movies. Um he he uh, resented the blockbuster films uh, that came out in the 80s. And so when he, who, the he is Dave Putnam, when he got fired uh, in 1987, his replacement, Dawn Still, made a, a sequel to Ghostbusters a priority. 
Um, and so they got together and hashed everything out. Also, Bill Murray was on an extended sabbatical from acting, which is the most Bill Murray bougie thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Why and, was know, he doing that? I, I guess, like, let's see, what was he? What was his run of films during that point in time? Um, so from 84 to 89, for him to take a break, let's not even say 84 to 89. Let's just say, okay, yeah, I can see why he would do a sabbatical. He had a movie in 76, 77, 78, another one in 78, 79. Uh, then in 1979, he did Meatballs. That was his first big one. Uh, then he had uh, Caddyshack in 1980. He had Stripes in 1981. He had Tootsie in 1982. He had Square Pegs, the series, in 1983. He had Ghostbusters in 1984. He had Little Shop of Horrors in 1986. Um, he had Scrooge in 1988. And then he had Ghostbusters 2 in 1989. I don't know where he took the sabbatical. Maybe for, maybe it was in 1985 he took the sabbatical. So he took a five-minute sabbatical. He took a one-year sabbatical and then came back and started busting out movies again. 90, 91, 93, 94, 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000. Like, there's not a year where Bill Murray hasn't been involved some way in movies. That's what about Bob. Bob? What about Bob came out in... 1991. And then Groundhog Day came out in 1993. I love what about Bob. We'll end up doing a Bill Murray month. I'm sure of it. I am absolutely certain. Uh, at the very beginning of the movie, there's already ooze coming out of the ground. And the people in New York are being mean to each other, which means it's basically New York in 1989. You know, um, Dana's no longer working uh, in the orchestra. Uh, she's now a mother, a single mother, uh, and lives in a building far away from where she lived at initially because that building got the, you know, the first three floors got destroyed. Um, she stops to talk to the super of her building about fixing the furnace and her baby, whose name is Oscar, is in a carriage. She turns away from the carriage and talks to the super and the baby's carriage starts rolling. Um, and initially it makes sense because they're sitting on a slope. Um, and she did let go without putting on brakes. I didn't know if they had brakes on a carriage back then. I don't think they did. But if they did, she didn't put them on. Um, the carriage starts rolling down the slope. But then it makes a turn and goes out in the traffic. And Dana can't catch it. So it seems like this baby is like out of control, being controlled by a ghost, obviously. And it's zooming in and out of lanes and stuff. It's avoiding cars and, and taxis and whatnot. Well, it's not avoiding them. The cars are hitting the brakes to stop from hitting this uh this carriage. And you I want to know how many fucking weird ghost shit have to happen before the people realize ghosts are real in New York. I thought yeah. we established this at the end of the first movie. Right? They got no respect considering that they saved the fucking city and everybody saw it. Everybody saw this fucking car turning. Like, it's one thing the car's rolling down the sidewalk. It turned and went, it made a 90 degree turn and went into the street. And then stopped right before a bus came and ran it over. Like, stopped. And nobody's going to say anything. There's no witnesses to this to come with her to see the ghost bus. Like, hey, yo, they back, dog. But now, nope, the Ghostbusters have gone broke. They're so broke that Winston and Ray are doing birthday parties now. 
Um, and the kids they, don't even give a shit. They want to see He Man. They want He Man. Eighty nine people. Um, and and what we find out is that after they conjured up the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, which nobody knew that they conjured him up, he just appeared. But after he appeared and they blew up the top three stories of the high rise building, every county and city agency in New York sued them. So technically, I guess Walter Peck won after all. I, I'm just saying. Walter Peck was right. Um, Egon is working separate from Ray and 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 uh, Peter. And we don't know what the fuck Winston is doing. Um, but Egon is working on whether the human emotion actually affects the physical environment. Um, and so he has two people in a waiting room that think they're there for marriage counseling. And he's had them waiting for two fucking hours. And he's been steadily turning the heat up it. on them. Huh? They losing it. Dude, if I'm there for marriage counseling and I've been waiting for two hours, I'm coming in. It's I'm, a test I'm, to I'm, see how you deal with your wife. I'm coming in. Obviously, we're here and for counseling failed. for a reason. I'm coming in. They failed the test. Shame. Badly. I would fail badly because I would go to my standby, which is I'd open the door, the closest door, and I'd scream out, if somebody's not out here in five minutes, I'm going to shit on your table. That's 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 kind of extreme. Two, two and a half hours, dog. Two and a half hours. Look, you got to be able to just sit in the room with your wife for two and a half hours. I can definitely sit in. The, I can definitely sit in the room with my wife for two and a half hours. But if we're there for counseling, like they had two people whose relationships seem pretty fucking volatile. I'm well, they could have been talking about we've been in here for two and a half hours. They should have. They those folks should have said something. I I would have just shit on the desk. Let the cards fall where they may. <laughs> but anyway, um, Dana and Peter, uh, Dana asks Egon for help. She goes to see him and she's like, please come help, but please don't tell Peter. Uh, Dana and Peter uh, stopped talking after she got married. Which, okay, Peter. Just like, all right, fuck you. And he doesn't, she's like, did he ever mention me? Did I ever cross his mind at any time? Did he ever wake up reaching out for me? And Egon's like, no. <laughs> no, he did not. And she was like, I thought about getting back in touch with him after my marriage ended. Um, and then we go to Peter's uh, new show. He's doing a TV show about psychics. And his dude, the dude who's on there is a psychic who's like, yeah, the world's going to end New Year's Day of this year. And Peter's like, that's no. cutting a little oh, yeah, bit close. That year. Of that, of, of 1980, of, of, you know, the next year. So, so they're in December. And he's like, the year, the, the, the world's going to come to an end January 1st, 1990. And Peter's like, uh, that's pushing it kind of close, ain't it? You ain't going to be able to sell your book or nothing. Paperbacks, get the rights to movies. Turns out he was right. Once again, Peter's looking at the wrong fucking person, teasing the wrong person. He was right. He said it first on your show, Peter, you should have bigged that up. Peter turns to the, other, to the next person. And he's like, and you have a different date. And she's like, yes, 
I was told the world's going to end in 1994. And he was like, tell me the story of how you were told the world's going to end in 1994. And she was like, an alien told me. I was at the Paramus Holiday Inn drinking by myself. And an alien came up and sat next to me and used this mind control. And I, ended up I actually in looked room. it up. I, I looked up what happened on February 14th, 2016. What happened? Just nothing. Uh, I think, oh, no, I did see. Um, I think that was the day El Chapo got caught. Okay. Well, she said that it joined her for a drink and used this mind control to get her up to a room where it then told her about the end of the world. This is what she told her husband. <laughs> this woman was having an affair straight up. <laughs> On TV, admitting it. She, she had an affair, but she was like, I told my husband that we were at the Holiday Inn and, and he used mind control to get me up to the room. And then he told me the world's going to end. And that's why I was up there freaking out. Oh, I laughed. So then we find out the mayor took the victory, um, took his power from the Ghostbusters. Like he took Peter's advice. He really did um, save a million voters. And so he got reelected as, as mayor. And now he's running for governor off the power of what they did. Um, and we go to the museum where Dana works at now because Dana is a art restorer. And she's going to cut back her hours and go back to the orchestra now that Oscar is born. But her boss, Janos, uh, thinks that Dana likes him. Like, it's really weird. She truly doesn't. But he's just like, he won't let go. Uh, he's talking to her and staring at her so much. He misses that the painting that he's working on of Vigo the Carpathian, Vigo the Carpathian, uh, its head is bulging out of the actual frame. Then Peter shows up to talk to Egon uh, at Ray's um, bookstore. And Peter tells Egon that the girls at the school that he works at must be in love with his huge cranium. And Egon turns back to Peter and tells him, I think that she's more in rapture with my epididymis. Who said that? Peter Reckman? Peter Vinkman said that the girls are in love with Egon's huge cranium. Egon said, no, they're more in love with my huge epididymis, which is the tube that connects the testicles to the vast deferent. I love them. I love their little smart quirks. <laughs> oh, man. Especially when Sigourney Weaver went to see What's-Her-Face. That was funny. And so, wait, when? When he went to see her, see him in the the what we just talked about. Oh, he was making a whole bunch of little like side jokes. Always when she was there. Always, um, they don't find anything when they go to Dana's house. Um, until they go research outside and they find that there's something going on under the street. So they dig the street up. They don't get any uh, permission to do it. They just do it, and um, at the same time. Janash is trying to restore Vigo and the painting of Vigo. And then the painting shocks him and tells him that he commands Janash now. And Janash is like, yes, my Lord, no worries. I got you. And Janash is like, I have to find a child for Vigo so Vigo can live again. Um, and 
we find Ray being lowered into a river of slime, into a chamber where they find a river of slime. Um, Winston still has not been seen since the birthday party, by the way. Ray gets the sample and then the slime starts reaching for him. Uh, so he starts calling for help. And as he's coming back up, Ray kicks a rusted pipe that breaks hella easy, but somehow causes the power to go out in the entire city. So they get that arrested. shit looks so janky, right? That looks so janky. He just barely touched it and it just collapsed. Although our infrastructure is fucked, so yeah, but not, not that, that fucked. Like what? That looks like something if you breathe if you breathe on it the wrong way, it's going down. Also, eighties movies and nineties movies look makes under New York City look so fucking cool. Yeah, like, it I does. remember watching the Ninja Turtles movie. And they had like the train under the city where they were sleeping at, and it was like so. I was like, "This looks so fucking cool." But I f- there are people who live in the tunnels in New York City. That is a real thing. Um, but I don't think it looks like in eighties and nineties made it look. I noticed Seattle has an underground city, but it's nothing like that. It's cool though. It's a tourist spot. Um. Genos comes to Dana's apartment unannounced to see. He's like, I just wanted to check in on you and the baby. And then she's like, good, get the fuck out. And so he leaves and then lights come out of his eyes. Like to light up the area so he can see where he's going. But. Oh, no, that was weird to me. Um, The next thing that happens is that the guys are in court with a list of charges against them. And the judge tells him straight out, I don't believe in ghosts. I think y'all are full of shit. Prove me wrong. And they got Lewis, their lawyer, but all he's done is tax law. And Lewis steps up and his defense is that even though the power went out while he was stuck on an elevator for two hours and had to go pee, he doesn't blame the Ghostbusters because he got turned into a dog once and they helped him. Like, why doesn't anybody else remember this shit? I don't blame them because they saved my life from a big ass marshmallow. Nobody at all. Huh? Yeah, what they about- don't remember that big marshmallow walking through the city. They don't, it's they hard don't, to say that was a myth when, you know, millions of people fucking saw it. Right. Like all the folks who were standing in front of that building when the earthquake hit and they dropped to the floor or they dropped beneath the earth. Nobody remembers this at all. Period. Yeah. That earth, the, the, the marshmallow man, if nothing else, the marshmallow man had to have stepped on at least four people. Because it was trying to, it was four. trying to do doom, right? At least yeah. the State Puff Marshmallow Man was a bad guy, right? He probably ain't like Lady Liberty. Yeah. So they have a restraining order placed against him against doing any sort of ghost busting, um, and they got charged with eighteen months. And the judge starts screaming at him out of nowhere. But as he's screaming at him, the goo which they brought in as evidence um, is starting to bubble up. And as he finishes yelling, it literally explodes and two ghosts pop out of the goo. And it turns out that it's, it's the Scolari brothers who yeah, he the, put in an electric chair. He put in the electric chair. This is today. what I'm saying. You have a respected white man judge and all them people in that courtroom saw these fucking ghosts. And yet the mayor's dude is still like, oh, these niggas are crazy. We got to get them locked up. They so destroyed he, that whole fu- and the ju- and the judge seeing the ghost hiding under the table was still hesitating to over to, to dismiss the case. 
because he don't believe in no ghosts. What That's, a fucking asshole. Right? And it's it's like, what level are y'all going to go to not believe in this? Like, what is, what what's, at some point, I'm just like, you know what? I see it. I believe it. It's over. Solve this shit. But nope. So they're like, yo, if, um, I, I, I think the best way for you to get rid of these two Scolari brothers is to tell them that you don't believe in ghosts. That's what Egon told him. And so um, the judge decides to drop the restraining order in order for them to come out and save him. And they fire their proton packs up with a do Ray Egon. Egon smirked through this whole fucking movie. I loved it. Um, their guns in this new iteration don't seem to do nearly as much damage as they did in the first one. Like in the first one, they were tearing up buildings and shooting holes through walls and all that. All that happened in this one was like a few scorch marks. And they pretty much got the ghosts in the first, you know, pretty quickly. Like the ghosts looked like level one ghosts or something. Um, and now all of a sudden business is booming out of nowhere. And we see Run DMC doing a uh, version of the theme song, I guess, while they uh, do a montage of them capturing ghosts, including one ghost who didn't even want to hurt anybody. He just wanted to jog. Like the ghost is literally checking his pulse and looking at his watch and everything while he's running through Central Park. And they just they didn't have to, like, tase him or anything. They just set a trap and let them run through. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. chilling. Right. And, they were, and everybody now at this point, there's ghosts running down the street and everywhere. And the Ghostbusters are the most popular people in town. And there's mm-hmm. still people like, well, I know. Actually, you know what? It's, you know, we're in a we're in a position where people don't believe mask work and shit. So exactly. I guess <laughs> I guess this is believable. When it's all said and done, when in doubt, think about COVID. We would think, okay, common sense would do COVID shit. So Lewis sees Slimer in the firehouse and freaks out. And Slimer doesn't fuck with anybody, though. He seems like a nice person. According to IMDb, in the years between Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters movie, and this film, the real Ghostbusters cartoon in 1986 introduced the idea that Slimer was living at the firehouse of the Ghostbusters pet. Because the original film and the cartoon series were so popular with children, they put Slimer in the film. Yeah, but is that canon? It is now. They made it canon. So that means the cartoon is all canon, which is why Janine, instead of her having the black hair and being like sullen like she was in the first movie, she's got red hair and she's trying to get after Lewis instead of, remember in the first movie, she was trying to get at Egon. Mm -hmm. But after the cartoon came out, they changed it up, and now she's making out with Lewis and everything. And Lewis uh, had a come up from the first movie. A huge glow up, like like one that Ernie Hudson should have asked for. So um, they've been experimenting with the slime, and they find out that it re- reacts to anger. Um, they find this out while they're standing around a table where everybody's wearing, like, jeans and sweaters and everything. And for some reason, Winston's just standing there in his Ghostbusters uniform. Like, why? Um, they also tried saying nice supportive things to it and Egon slept with it. Now, I don't know what they mean by slept with it, but the way Egon looked, it looked like he slept with it, slept with it, which should have made him mad. Um, 
They also found that it likes music, especially Jackie Wilson. So they put some of the slime inside of a toaster and play Jackie Wilson, and the toaster bounces around, and then it pops toast toast up in the air. Dana's working near the that bingo. That weird because they didn't even plug the toaster up, by the way. Nope. They put it on a pool table. It somehow yep. still works. And it still popped out hot toast. Oh, they said something about, oh, you know what? He did say something about we're testing to see if it creates kinetic energy. So that, maybe the thing heated the toast. That would work, yeah. I could see that. Dana's working near the Vigo painting again when Peter shows up. And Janos tells Peter that Vigo was a magician. And Dana's like, yeah, he was also a genocidal madman. And I get the feeling that the painting is watching me wherever I go, which it is. What's Sigourney Weaver's character name again? Dana. So Dana had at the last movie they were together. Mm-hmm. Then they broke up. Then she mm-hmm. got married, had a baby, and then broke up. Mm-hmm. All in all in off screen. Yes. Within five years, she got married, got got married, had a baby, got divorced. Some folks just ain't meant to be married. And now she's trying to get back with that Vecna. Yes. Yes, pretty he much. He does have something that is kind of like magnetic. He does have, yeah, he does kind of have a magnetic personality. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, he's cool. I can, I can see a woman being like, yeah, there's something about this that I want to know more about. But at the same time, they'd be like, I hate his guts. I just don't get it. Even with how basic Bill Murray looks. Yeah, Bill Murray's one of those people that looks like he could outkick his coverage, quote unquote. Very much so. Because of his personality. That's what it used to be when people were funny. They used being funny to, you know, make strides. But now, nope, not anymore. They, it, they used use to, humor. It, it still works. Now it they still- use humor to punch down on uh, marginalized people. It's still tried and true. Funny will help you help you with the opposite sex. Yeah. That's how I got married. Or the same sex, if you're into it. It'll help you yeah. get a partner. It'll help you get a partner, basically. Yes. Uh, Dana's giving Oscar... Or getting- Although some men today, t- t- to this day, still get like uh, self-conscious about funny women, which I don't understand. I don't either. I mean, a joke is a joke. It don't matter who told it. If it's funny, we're going to have a good time. Now, if it's hurtful, yeah, I, I can't do hurtful, hateful jokes, but good jokes, we're going to laugh. So uh, Dana is preparing to give Oscar a bath, uh, and as she turns around to get his pamper off or whatever and get her shirt off because she's like, you like to splash me when you get in the tub, uh, the water turns off and slime starts pouring into the tub instead. Um, and the slime becomes a being that reaches for her. So they run out of her apartment and they go to Peter's house or Peter's apartment. Mm-hmm. And when they get to Peter's apartment, Peter's like, yeah, uh, let's talk about the sleeping arrangement. Because I like to lay this way while you could spoon me. <laughs> and she's like, you can sleep on the couch. And he's like, oh, okay. all right, fine. Look at Vecman taking that in stride. Right? No worries. Nothing ventured. And um, so Ray and Egon... It's nothing wrong. Hey, listen. 
Even in today's environment, it's nothing wrong with shooting your shot as long as you respect no. Exactly. It's okay to it's okay to make an effort. You hear you hear them fucking whack ass niggas and men be like, you can't even say hi to a woman anymore. No, you can you can still do you can still shoot your shot as much as you want, but you just do it, you know. They say no, you go, okay, cool. Okay. Nice, nice talking to you. And yeah, that's whether you're in a relationship problem. or your uh, your friend or whatever it may be, just okay, and let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me was like, all right, I'll go sleep on the couch. Fine. Yep. Uh, Ray and Egon go to Dana's apartment to check out the bathtub. And then, oh, and by the, the way, for a 1980s movie, that's pretty progressive because this is the end of the 80s, but. <laughs> If I was watching like Porky's, that man would have oh, got up in the middle of the night and snuck in her bedroom or some shit like that. Or when she was in the shower, would have went to the door and looked through the keyhole, some crazy fucked up shit like that. Honestly, Porky's is that movie's horrible. That movie is so bad. I haven't seen Porky's in probably 20 years, but from what I remember from Porky's, it was bad. I will never And forget. I didn't even find Porky's to be funny. Not only is it offensive, but it wasn't that funny to me. Nope. It's funny. Like, too. Revenge of the Nerds is offensive, but I can admit that it was funny. Porky's is... I don't even find that funny. It's just offensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, on so many different levels. Um, and it goes past just that scene where, um, where they're in the, where they're watching the girl shower. It goes past that. That's bad enough. Mm -hmm. It also features slut shaming, uh, or kink shaming rather, um, because of the woman who, when she's in, it, it, it shames one for enjoying sex basically because she starts, uh, screaming and she howls like a dog and people are making fun of her because of that um it features guys who literally do not listen to consent do not do not uh take consent seriously do not listen to the words no or listen to the word no um and it fat phobia like the whole nine yards like that movie is rancid mm-hmm. um Ray and Egon decide to go to Dana's apartment to check out the bathtub. And then they're going to go to the museum in the morning to check out the picture or check out the painting. Um, at this point in time, the movie's been on for 47 minutes and Winston's been in the movie for about three of them. If you're asking me why I'm looking at all these things, Brandon, why I'm paying attention to when Winston will be in the movie, it's because it's literally the second movie and he's this is a sequel. And they still made sure to not write him into a role. Yeah, he's a side character. No. I'm okay with that. No, no, I'm not. He's not a main character. Why not? They made that decision. They literally wrote the movie. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. I mean, you're just saying that. Why does he have to be a main character? He's would just Eddie not Murphy a main been, character. Would, would, would Eddie Murphy have been a main character? Yeah, he's not Eddie Murphy. So what? What do you mean, so what? He's I mean, not Eddie Murphy. I mean, so what? It really, I mean, 
literally, if they're if the movie's called Ghostbusters, and there's four mm-hmm. Ghostbusters, and one Ghostbusters only in the movie for like maybe twenty two minutes, this wasn't really the Ghostbusters. It was the Ghostbusters. It's oh. just more fo- so focused on the main three. I mean, I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem with people being side characters. They didn't disrespect Ernie Hudson. He didn't have. He didn't. Wasn't made to look silly. Like what's his face? Well, he was the glasses. They made him like out to be an idiot. I'd rather not be on screen. You gonna make me look like an idiot the well, entire they, movie? Well, they did make him out to be an idiot. Made who? Winston. How? Winston. Every time Winston talks, people listen. When the mayor couldn't understand shit, Winston was like, "Listen." This is what the fuck's happening. They went when, to Winston for that. W- they didn't go to Winston for that. Winston spoke um, when they were at the mental health facility, and Winston was telling them about how the bathtub was trying to eat babies and stuff. And Peter was like, "I don't know these crazy people." They played that off the joke of what Winston did when everybody else is down in the uh, subway looking all brave, and Winston's down there like, "Man, I don't like rats. I'm afraid of everything." That was them making him look. But if he wasn't doing that, we would be like a black person wouldn't really be a part of that. They would be out there like not fucking with that shit. I just think he's a side character. No, sometimes no, no, side no, characters you know what? don't get maybe approved. In, maybe in the first movie, I would have been like that. I could have gotten that joke off, but this is the second movie. Yeah, this and he's the still he's chosen, and he still did his job. He's just not one of the main characters. It happens in ensemble movies. Like, you watch a football movie, like, Remember the Titans, right? It's 22 people on the team. They only focus on six of them niggas. The other niggas just there. And then and then there's only, like, four, four of them get more lines than the other two. That's just what happens on team movies. Even on the new Ghostbusters, when we get to it next week, it's four of them. And Leslie Jones gets nothing. But all of them, the main two are Kristen Wiig. It's two of them. And Melissa McCarthy. They get the main two, and then the other two have less than those two. Kate McKinnon is Melissa McCarthy's uh, right hand, so she's always there, and she's getting her jokes in left and right, and Leslie Jones is just... Leslie Jones, I don't remember Leslie Jones in the movie. Exactly. But I don't remember Kate McKinnon in the movie either. All I remember is... Wait, I I love the movie. She's got a... I just remember Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig. Mm -mm. I don't remember the other two. Um, so Peter tells, um, oh, I no. understand your point. I'm just saying that they made a choice to make him a side character. If That's what I'm want saying. To say they that- made that choice. He didn't get a say yeah. in it. They made that choice for him. And I think honestly that he deserved more. Yeah, but Sigourney, like Sigourney Weaver got very little lines this movie compared to the first one. Like they just made like I get what you're saying. You're like I wish they didn't make him a side character. I'm just saying. No, what I'm saying is this: they 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 gave Rick Moranis more lines. They gave Janice a a romance storyline. They gave her a bigger role than she had in the first movie. And I'm just saying, from the first movie to the second movie, they gave them an expanded role. They gave Dana pretty much the same. You know, role she, she was the, had a smaller role, but she was the impetus of this whole thing jumping off. So she was yeah. in a lot She's more scenes. She was seen more. She had to deal with with uh, with Jano. She had to deal with Peter. So she's in a lot more scenes. 
right. and Winston is in the movie 22 minutes. They know, all were in this cartoon, and in a lot of ways, they they said that they they base a lot they they say that they um actually chose to change a lot of things in the movie based on the the popularity of the, the of the cartoon, such as they stopped smoking. They um they took out a lot of the curse words, stuff like that. Like they made some real differences, and they expanded roles of characters. They changed Janine um because of the way that she was in in the cartoon because the cartoon the real ghostbusters was so popular amongst children ivan reitman dan Aykroyd, and harold ramus made a conscious effort to tone down the adult innuendo all of the ghostbusters gave us smoking and the ghost took on his appearances closer to those that have animated series rather than to the more frightening effects of the first film they made real changes they changed the way that she, they changed the way Janine looked. They changed a lot of things. But Winston, who's a part of the cartoon and people, black children have seen Winston now. Yeah. I think that's my primary thing. They've seen him and they go back here and he's still not getting any love from the people who are writing the movie, who yeah. are his co workers. So they're you literally his co character. I'm thinking that he should have got more than 22 minutes. In an hour and 47 minute movie. Yeah, I mean, that's I can understand that. I get that. I just think that sometimes people are just not main characters. I mean, even all. even if even if it's as small as when they went back to Dana's apartment to check out the bathtub, whatever, you know, he's with them because he's one of the well, ghostbusters. I was it was well, yeah, you're right. I don't care about the lines. I care about like why wasn't he arrested when they got arrested where the right. fuck was winston right now if he doesn't want to be now there, now, now now wait wait on that part when they got arrested i think it was because he wasn't with them when they were digging that fucking hole yes yeah, i'm saying why wasn't he with them digging the hole exactly like that type of thing makes sense but i don't i don't particularly care about i just wanted it to make sense that's all that's all i'm saying i get i understand where you're coming from don't think i don't understand i'm oh, just saying he's just I just thought they thought he was a side character, so they treated him as a side character. Yeah. But they're the ones who are... That, that's the thing that irritates me. You're absolutely right. It irritates me because they're deciding that he's a side character. They can literally say, you know what, let's write a bigger role for him like we were going to do when we thought Eddie Murphy was going to do it. Maybe not that big, but let's give him something in this second movie because he didn't have to come back. Mm-hmm. Well, they had a chance in this movie. The first movie I understood. Yeah. This movie, this they, movie, they they had no excuse for not doing it. They had a and there's actually an article which I um put up on. Well, I don't on, remember the cartoon. Was he like a main character in the cartoon? He was. I know he was one of the four. He was. He was he was one of the main characters. I just couldn't remember if he got the same. He got storylines, he got the same amount of time, the whole nine yards. Yeah, then that was just a, that was a choice. And they actually did an article in the uh, Guardian uh, back in what two thousand and fourteen, where yeah, two thousand fourteen, where they asked Ernie, like, "Do you blame racism for you being squeezed out in the Ghostbusters?" And he had to talk about why his part might have been marginalized and how he explained it to his son. What did he say? He said. They said, I love Ghostbusters, but I hate the way they squeeze out your character. And he said, you know, I never bring it up unless someone else does. And since you have, 
I tell people Ghostbusters was the most fun I had, but it was also the most difficult for reasons that I, to this day, do not understand. In the script that I read for the audition, Winston is in the film all the way through the movie, but they changed it just before we shot. So I had to wrap my head around that. I think the studio thought they could sell the guys that they were from Saturday Night Live and they wanted to include Winston marginally. But then we came back five years later for the sequel and they did the same thing. Yeah, okay. that I didn't understand. Yeah. But once you become really angry, it's all over. So I just kept working and stay positive. Yeah, I agree now. Like the first one, it made sense. They thought they had Eddie Murphy. They were doing this Saturday Night Live thing. He and- comes in at the last minute. They got to change the movie because obviously you're not going to write him as the same as Eddie Murphy. Perfect. Okay, cool. And then they say, so do you think it was a studio who cut your character down and not Ramis and Ackroyd who wrote the script? And he said, you know, nobody told me. I blame the studio because in my mind, it's easier for me to say some exec than to blame Dan and Harold. I don't think mm-hmm. it came from the guys. The guys are great, but what do I know? But what I've come to appreciate over the 30 years is how amazingly loyal the fans are. No matter where I go, fans quote lines from Winston. I went to buy a car the other day and the mechanic had a tattoo of Winston's face on his leg. You know why? This is me saying this. The reason why is because as black people, to have a black Ghostbuster meant something. And in every honest situation that we had where they had a black Ghostbuster, they limited them. And Dan Aykroyd wrote the new movie and they limit or Ivan Reitman wrote the new movie and they limited Leslie. So you can't tell me that this isn't something out of nowhere. Yeah. And then they said uh, some fans think maybe the studio is being racist when they cut you out. And some think the part was originally written for Eddie for Eddie Murphy. And he said, if I go to the racial side of it and blame that, it takes all my power away. Because if I blame racism, there's nothing I can learn from it. And the message to my son becomes really blurred. But yeah, had I been that as big of a star as Eddie Murphy, movie. if I had been as big of a star as Eddie Murphy, I don't think the part would have been cut. No, it wouldn't have been. But that don't have shit to do with the second movie. Once you put him in the first movie, he's a part of the team. Mm-hmm. The second movie, you, it's a choice that you made not to give him more lines. I didn't even notice it. I just noticed that he wasn't there in the beginning. I was like, why isn't Winston there? That's weird. They also wouldn't let him voice the Winston character in the cartoon. He wanted to. He volunteered to do it. They Who told voiced him no. Him? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Some random dude. So. Was any, it a black person? Hopefully they didn't get a white person to do the black voice. You know what? Let's see if they got something here that'll let us look. Uh, the real Ghostbusters, okay. Top cast. Oh, Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall, okay. So they got a bigger name. Once again, right? Yeah, but none of the other Arsenio Hall did, did it for 91 too. episodes, and then Buster Jones did it for 49 episodes. Yeah. Well, they didn't, they didn't get Bill Murray and none of them other niggas to do it either. No. No. I mean, they so got that, Dave I mean that's not too surprising. They got Dave Coulier to do it. That's dope. Um, Arsenio Hall. I didn't know Arsenio Hall did Winston. That's interesting. Me neither. That's really dope. Actually, Where's the stream? And I might watch this one day when I'm bored. Right. Um, the real Ghostbusters. So then we find out that they uh, killed Vigo in every which way possible. Like he died at 105 years old, and he didn't die on his own. He was poisoned, stabbed, hung, shot, stretched, disemboweled, and drawn and quartered. And just before his head died, <laughs> just before his head died, after all of that, he said, death is but a door, time is but a window, and I'll be back. 
and they go into the museum and get some pictures of Vigo, and Ray looks into his eyes and falls into a trance. We'll be back to hindsight after this brief break. Greetings and salutations. This is Cage's Kiss, the ultimate Cage cast, where we discuss the movies and life of the national treasure, Nick Cage. There are three of us here, and I can't help but notice that none of us are Nicolas Cage. Did nobody call him? What? A Cage cast with no Nick Cage? No, instead of being Nicolas Cage, we're three Nicolas Cage experts, which is the next best thing. I don't think we should admit to being experts. Too late. We are not experts at anything. We are not life coaches, and we are not in any way, shape, or form qualified to give you suggestions on life choices. But Nick Cage is, and he's made hundreds of life choices. Seriously, I cannot stress enough just how much you should not take our advice. But we're experts. No, seriously, we're not experts. Yes, but we will be reviewing his first acting gig as Nicholas Coppola, Best of Times, which features a young and very precious Crispin Glover. And his work in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And his work in My Nightmares. We're experts! Hey guys, I'm Adam. And I'm Josh. And And we we are are Cinematic Cinematic Blind Spots. The podcast where two movie lovers will introduce each other to a new film every week. No matter the year or the genre, nothing is off limits. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on all the socials. And remember, whether you are in your car or in the theater, always check your blind spots. It's time to feel the rage. Join us on Film Rage, where we talk movies, current releases, coming attractions, streaming, and classic films as well. Directors and actors, beware as you cannot hide from the rage. My name is Bryce, and I'm part of the Film Rage crew, which also includes Jim. Hey, hey. And Murray. Yo. Why is it you always talk? All the time, I can't understand I why. Sweet, voice sweet voice. This is the Merman, the voice of reason. These two can't awesome. agree on anything most of the time. Some movies are mondo, some are just Every week, something is going to make us rage. Join us every Wednesday and feel the rage. Hey there. Do you like movies, cartoons, video games, anime, and everything in between? Then we have a show for you. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Every week, Josh and Ben bring you all the latest and greatest in movie reviews, news, commentaries, interviews, special guests, and tons of bonus episodes. New episodes come out every Monday. We also make great nerdy content on our YouTube channel. You can find our show anywhere podcasts are found. The Four Nerds by Nerds podcast. Your one stop for all your nerdy needs. Stay nerdy, my friends. Welcome to Pineapple Pizza Podcast, where we serve up delicious slices of mythology, cryptozoology, and urban legends. I'm Ashley. To anyone who doesn't know me that well, the fact that I'm laughing right now probably horrifies you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Emily. What are the chances? I don't know. Uh, Like, bum, bum, bum. 50-50? Oh. (laughs) And I'm Lindsay. I banish you to the shadow of death. I corrupt you to the netherworld from which no one has come. Pineapple Pizza Podcast. Stop on by for a slice, a story, and a laugh. Coming January 2021. Hey, y'all. This is Derek. We wanted to thank y'all so, so much for listening to our show. 
Right now, at this very moment, we'd like for you to go ahead and screenshot your phone, your iPad, or wherever else you're listening to this show, and send it to us on Twitter, at Hindsight Reviews. We'll post it up and retweet it to everybody else, and you could be a part of our family. Also, be sure to leave a five-star review, and let us know what you think of the show, wherever you listen to the podcast at. Thank you so much, and back to the show. Uh, Peter goes back and tells uh, Dana that they found some pink ooze in her apartment. So they should go out that evening. And so Lewis goes and talks to Janine and asks her if she wants to go out to dinner. And she's like, I can't, but I'm going to babysit for Dr. Vinkman if you want to come with me. Um, hey, now listen, I don't have kids. Oh, you know what? They She actually knows that nigga. So it's, I forgot. I When I first saw it. apartment together. Yeah, when I first saw it, I forgot that um, she knew him because I was like, "You just bring this random nigga to babysit someone who don't know him." Here's my question: like, oh, yeah. In the original movie, he was an accountant. He was an accountant here too because when they were in the street, he was said she was like, "Come to uh, the apartment," and she's and he said, "Oh yeah, I can the look W-2s it up on the W two but. In the courtroom, they had him. He said he did tax law. That's all. I was like, wait, what? It might be both. He might be a, a CPA and a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, that happens. Yeah. He should be uh, making much more money than he's making in New York City in 1989. Right. Unless he's shit at both of them. I think he is. Um, <laughs> so Ray and Egon are looking at the pictures that Peter took of Vigo when they went to the um, when they went to the museum together mm-hmm. and uh ray sees the river of slime underneath one of them and so they're about to go and tell probably peter because they wouldn't tell winston shit but uh the dark room sets on fire and they're locked in but luckily winston is right outside the door waiting to be needed i wish they let me in he's right outside the door waiting to be needed and so he bursts in and saves them with a fire extinguisher. With a fire extinguisher. He breaks down the door using a fire extinguisher and busts in, and they uh, run out and they save themselves. Are they, they're all okay? Because Winston, I want, I want them to keep that in mind. This is, Winston's the hero of this part. Um, they decide to go and investigate the slime underneath the city. And so while they're walking, they test out their echoes and Ray says, hello, and hello comes back. And um, Egon says, echo. And then, you know, it says echo back to him. And then uh, Winston says hello. And it calls out a voice. It doesn't echo. The voice just calls out and says, Winston. (laughs) Um, and then they look around, uh, because I'd look around if something literally called out my name, but then all of a sudden, um, they're surrounded by severed heads and they're freaking out over the severed heads and they decide to go back and get their proton packs. Uh, but then all of a sudden they hear a train coming and Ray's like these, these tracks haven't been used in over 50 years. Um, but a train is coming 
and Ray and Egon jump out the way, but Winston isn't as lucky. And Winston gets run over by a um by a ghost train. Uh that knocks his hat off and leaves him looking all Jerry Crowlish, even though you know it just knocked his it knocked his helmet off rather. So uh, Ray walks over to him and he's like, hey, did you get the number of that train? And he was like, sorry, man, I missed it. And that's another moment where Winston is, you know, more comedic relief because they both dive out the way. But he catches the brunt of getting hit by a train. Uh, Ray finds a different hole with a, or a different room with a hole in it, and it leads to the river of slime. And they put a measuring gauge into the river to try and see how deep it is. And it catches on something or something grabs it and pulls Winston in. <laughs> um, and so Ray and Egon look at each other as Winston is floating down this river of slime. And so they both dive in willingly. Uh, next, we get to one of my favorite scenes, which is um, Janine and Lewis at Peter's house babysitting Oscar. And uh, Lewis is telling Oscar the story of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. His rendition is literally the bestest. So the Seven Little Dwarfs had a limited partnership in a small mining operation. And one day a beautiful princess came to live with them. And they bartered housekeeping services for room and board, which was a real good deal for them because they didn't have to withhold social security or income tax or nothing, which you're really not supposed to do, you see. But for the purposes of this story, I think it's okay. It really is a great place. I love that. <laughs> I love like, that. Like... He's so nerdy, and yet I, 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 I'm figuring that this is after Rick Moranis did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. No, and that didn't come out to 1994. It didn't? Mm-hmm. God, I was old when that came out. Really? I think 1994, yeah. I think it was like in the mid-90s. Oh, wow. No way. I have to go Honey, check. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was... Ni- oh, no, you're right. 1989. Okay, cool. I'm thinking about Little Giants. That was 1994. Yes, because Rick Moranis, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I saw this one after I saw that one. Um, It was the same year. But I really thought he was great in that movie and this movie. I I really liked Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Um, But he looks like such a fucking dork. Yeah. He can play these characters because it looks believable. Perfect. He plays him perfectly, too. Um, and then he puts Oscar to bed and Janine tells uh, Lewis to sit down, sit down next to her. And he was like, she was like, what do you think about kids? And she throws her leg over him and puts it on him. Um, right. You know interesting thing. They play um, Chris Hemsworth in the new one, who was basically Janine's character. Mm-hmm. But I thought. I thought that Janine was more sexualized in this movie than she was. She was when, on the rewatch. And it the, wasn't. It wasn't as much as I thought she was. Oh no, no, no! She just like I said, and you know, I thought that they, um, that her and Lewis had been dating in the cartoon, and that's why they wrote it into this. But they wrote Lewis into the real Ghostbusters after this movie was made. So they just decided to, you know, five years later, she realized that her and Egon weren't going to be a thing. And mm. I guess that after, you know, Lewis spent time there as uh, the, 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 the key master, accountant. Mm-hmm. he got hired on as an accountant and they got close. 
Um, Winston Ray and Egon climb out of a manhole cover and start the fight. Winston's like, I'll kick your ass. But then Egon realizes that it's the slime that's causing the issue. So they strip their clothes off and come to their senses. Also, Egon never got mad. Ray got mad and Winston got mad. And Egon was like, we need to take our clothes off. I'm just going to leave that here real quick. Um, The slime is pure concentrated evil and it's all directed towards the museum. And somehow, because as they're coming, as they're getting ready to go check out the uh, subway, they go to Peter's house to see if he wants to go. And Peter's like, hey, Dana, the guys want to go look at this uh, subway and check out a river of slime. Do you want to go? And Dana just looks at him and smirks and is like, taxi, which is exactly what would have happened in any relationship that I could think of. So they leave and they don't tell them where they're going, but somehow the guys find them at the restaurant that they're at. And uh, burst in while they're eating and tell them their findings. Uh, and then they get arrested again. Like, not again. They got they get arrested in this movie uh, for causing a, uh, a scene. Or at least I thought they were getting arrested for causing a scene. But in all honesty, they're not getting arrested for causing a scene. They are um, getting escorted to see the mayor? Well, yeah, they, they said they need to see the mayor because they figured out what the fuck. Happened. Well, they did get arrested. Uh, you talking about when they were in the restaurant? When they were in the restaurant, they got arrested, but then they got dropped off at the mayor's place because this is the part where I Bobby Brown Beckman, is there. I don't think Vecman got arrested because he was there on the date and, mm-hmm. they, and they came in all drenched in slime and shit. And I think Vecman said something about going to see the mayor. I remember them saying something about we got to see the mayor. And he ca- he called the mayor. My assumption is off screen called the mayor, and the mayor told him to let him go. We'll hear out the Ghostbusters since you saved the city five years ago. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because they went straight from the restaurant to them pulling up at the mayor's mansion. <laughs> You guys got another one of those proton packs? My kid brother really wants one. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess it's right. That's Bobby Brown's whole part. Like Bobby it's Brown not whole so part in this movie, right? He looked like he had just finished doing um every little step I take, and then ran over here to do this line. So, I mean, that's a good that's a good look for him. Yeah, I mean, it's better. It wasn't than what like Barry Prince Bonds and Batman did. though. No. No, Prince killed that whole soundtrack. I'm shocked that, that was the him. same year as this, right? Yes, that was 1989. Yes, Prince destroyed that soundtrack. Like that was a pretty good year for nerd movies. Bat- Batman came out June 23rd, the same day as Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, okay. Ghostbusters 2 came out June 16th, so they came out back to back weeks. Yes, and Ivan Reitman said that the reason why Ghostbusters 2 didn't do as well as Ghostbusters 1 is because people were more enamored with the darker films like Ghost, like uh, Batman. Mm-hmm. Batman 89 wasn't that dark of a movie to me when you see it in the future. <laughs> like When you see the newer <laughs> yeah. Batman movies, this... Compared to Snyder bullshit, yeah, it's right? not that dark. And when you compare it to Nolan, like even Nolan's movies are darker than uh, 
89 by a long shot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for 89, when they first had, you know, something like this happening. And I guess the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles came out in like 90. And That's a seemed, crazy mutt. Damn. And seemed a Ninja bit darker. Turtles, too. Ninja Turtles movie came out in 91, uh, maybe? 90? 90. March of 90. Yeah. It was heaven for kids because this came out and then Batman and then Ninja Turtles and whew, honey, I shrunk the kids. I'm never going to stop rapping for that movie. Um, the guys are back at the mayor's place and he's looking at them like they didn't put him like like they didn't just put in work for him to save the entire city. They tell them that 50 percent of the Ghostbusters voted for him in the last election, which made me laugh. You know, he said almost 50%, which means one person voted for him. Yes. I wonder who that person is. Egon. I don't know if he's a Democrat or a Republican. Uh, I think he's a Republican. And so um, well, they tell him he about... Might, he's, he seems kind of... He, he did get the Ghostbusters two minutes. I feel like a Republican would have just been like, get the fuck out of here. I still say he's a Republican. So um, they tell him about the pink slime and how it's all the hate and anger of the city. And he tells them being miserable is a New Yorker's God-given right. That's right. Sends them out. But then his assistant, Hardemeyer, uh, tells them that they should tell their story to a person downtown. And next thing you know, they're in a mental health facility. He he, He gets them committed. For telling them about ghosts. Behind his boss's back, by the way. Exactly. That's some real white man stuff right there. But the boss is still like, dude, do you not remember any of this? Like, we were we telling the truth last time, Mayor? Yes. Are we telling the truth this time? Dude, do you know anybody else who knows about ghosts other than us? No. By the way, the mayor's name in Ghostbusters is the mayor of New York. That's a good name. He doesn't have a name. It's I'm the shocked. mayor of New York. I'm shocked that there hasn't been any athletes, and I'm not talking about black folks. I'm just saying athletes, period, whose name isn't the mayor of and then whatever city they're born in. <laughs> By the way, Gremlins 2 came out the same year, too. Such a good year for movies. God damn, I love Gremlins too. Except for that Black Widow Gremlin. That shit still weirds me out. Because I feel like uh, the way about spiders that you feel about snakes. So Janos is told by Vigo that the birth of the new year will bring ruin to the world. But first, he needs the baby so he can live again. And Janos is like, before I do that, can I ask you, can you promise me that if I bring you the baby... You'll let me have his mom. And Vigo's like, yeah, sure, whatever. She'll be your wife and she'll be my mom. And God damn. Back to the Future 2 came out that year, too. In 89. Yeah. God damn. And 89. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And 89 was a really good year. God damn. That's wild. That's and a- the Little Mermaid. I'll even give that credit. I like the Little Mermaid. That's a really fucking good wow, year. Wow, that's crazy. That's a bumper. And job. do the right thing. Okay, we, we're going too far now. So, 
Oscar is in the room with the door closed, which is always a bad idea in, in, in movies. And the window opens. Uh, Dana comes in because she's sitting out front with Janine and Lewis. And they're basically feeding each other popcorn and making it on the couch. And she's like, y'all can leave now. And they're like, no, we'll stay until uh, Dr. Vinkman comes back. Um, and she goes to check on Oscar and looks uh, and he's walking. This baby who doesn't walk is walking on the ledge of this high rise building. And now when she looks out the window, he's on the edge of the building, standing there waiting. And then a nanny ghost shows up with a baby carriage, like floating in the sky, flying through the sky, shows up with a baby carriage and reaches out and grabs Oscar, like like not even reaches out, like extends her arm out and grabs Oscar and puts him in the carriage and flies away. And Dana, sight unseen, is like, this is Janos' fault at the museum. Let's go. And they take off. But... Let's talk about the permanence of spectral things here in this in this universe. Let's talk about the permanence of spectral things, because wine went straight through Slimer, but food didn't. And a ghost, if we're looking at it like that, a ghost reaching out and grabbing this baby. When it drops it into the carriage, the baby should technically the ghost hands you to go straight through the baby or the baby should drop straight through the carriage. I think Slimer can materialized because he was driving the bus yes and so he had his hands on the steering wheel yeah so maybe he can make himself how the fuck did did he get his hands his foot on the gas and brake he break his stretchy foot out that's wild um make himself tangible uh also the baby getting snatched up by the nanny for some reason reminded me so much of uh, the Bone Thugs and Harmony video Crossroads <laughs> that I laughed. I Why? could laugh myself. Because it just seemed like the guy when he's walking <laughs> everybody to heaven and he just stops off the hospital and picks up a baby. <laughs> like he just scoops up a baby and just dips out. But I don't know. See you at the crossroads. Um the guys the guys have to realize that they're in a mental health facility and yet uh, everything they say at their at this point in time to the doctor sounds super wild, and it's all capped off of Winston saying that they made a toaster dance with slime and a bathtub tried to eat a baby. <laughs> like you got, you got. I would be like, yeah, what the fuck are y'all talking about? <laughs> right, you got to know your you got to know your surroundings, dog. This is not the time to uh, say <laughs> these things happen to us, like. Maybe later. Y'all can laugh about it afterwards. We gotta find the guys. As I explained before, we think the spirit of a 17th century Moldavian tyrant is alive and well in a painting at the Manhattan Museum of Art. Uh Uh-huh. And are there any other paintings in the museum with bad spirits in them? You're wasting valuable time. He's drawing strength from a psychomagmatheric slime flow that's been collecting under the city. Yes, tell me about the slime. It's very potent stuff. We made a toaster dance with it. Toaster. And a bathtub tried to eat this. I can't drink. listen to him without thinking Bath. about uh, what's her face? Leslie? No. Um, Glenn. Glenn. Oh, Leo? Leo. Yeah, I can see that. I, hear, I just hear Leo in that scene. 
I could see that. I definitely, I definitely could see that. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, also, the dude who is playing the um the doctor, the mental health doctor in that scene looks just like Bill Murray. So I'm checking to see if they're related in any such way, because that was wild how much he looks just fucking like him. Um, but then it goes into the museum and the door closes behind her and ooze comes out of every fucking thing um, and forms a shell around the building. And she sees Oscar sitting in front of Beagle's picture on a pedestal and the pedestal has carvings or inscriptions carved all into it. Um, and she tries to run away with Oscar, but he's spiritually ripped from her arms and she's thrown out of the room and the door's locked. And now all of a sudden the ooze is popping out of everywhere. Um, and we have a montage where, where a woman's mink coat comes to life and literally runs down the fucking street. Um, <laughs> and a ghost dinosaur pops up, but it doesn't eat anything. It doesn't. It's just it's just chilling. You know, everybody's That's, they out. definitely did make it more kitty because them first ghosts were creepy. Yes. First ghosts were like screaming at you, like like full mouth open, like fucking people up these ones are ghost dinosaurs and i don't know you could definitely see it a mink a mink jacket running down the street which to their in their defense was supposed to be used in the first film but they it was supposed to be on a fashion show runway set but they didn't have time to get it put together so they spit it into the second film in their defense okay that's that's valid um the Titanic also arrives and one of the guys who are at the dock where it pulls up is like, yeah, you know, better late than never. The also, Titanic's in New York City mm-hmm. and the mayor goes, where the fuck are the Ghostbusters? Now, <laughs> and, <laughs> he doesn't just say where the fuck are the Ghostbusters. He says, because I spent last night talking with, let me see, I have his name written down. I spent last night talking with Fiorello LaGuardia, who's been dead for 40 years <laughs> so now he wants to talk to the ghostbusters and, and um, hardemeyer says i had them committed <laughs> i had them committed you know also he shouldn't have buried the lead like like he comes in the mayor comes into the room and he's like call the ghostbusters and hardemeyer's like we should talk about this and then he says i spent an hour the night before talking to fiorella Lagardia. And now get the Ghostbusters. You should have led with that. You should have been like, I just talked to him for like an hour. Fuck y'all niggas. Where's the Ghostbusters? <laughs> um, and so he fires Hardiman. And um, I'm like, why? Before when you didn't believe what you should have already believed. He was really doing what you wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why you mad. But he was mad, and so he got well, fired. I don't know if he wanted the Ghostbusters committed. He just wanted them to get the fuck out of his office. Yeah, but at the same time. Now it's know. a hassle to go get him. Mm-hmm. And so um, the Ghostbusters go to the museum as, again, the best Ghostbusters song ever plays in the background. Um, and at midnight on New Year's Day, Vigo will inhabit Oscar. 
and cause the destruction of the world. And Janos asked Dana to marry him because as the mother of a living God, she'll get free parking. <laughs> I'm sure we can work out things free. Said? He said, he said, I'm sure we can work out things for you, like free parking and a, and a new apartment. And, and we can learn to love each other. Well, mainly Vigos. Dana, you and I have this terrific opportunity to make the best of this relationship. We don't have a relationship. And no! Marry me, Dana. Together we will raise Vigo as our son. Now let me tell you something here. There are many perks in being the mother of a living god. I'm sure we could get a magnificent uh, apartment, car, free parking. Many marriages begin with a certain amount of distance. Yet I think that Perhaps you and I could learn to love each other. I mean, it's New York. Free parking. Give it some thought. Free parking is a pretty big deal in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, give it some thought. Um, the Ghostbusters try and uh, break. Well, she says she can learn to love him, but she's lying. Um, the Ghostbusters try and break down the shell with the proton packs, but they can't get through and the crowd fucking boos them. Like, why are y'all even here? Shouldn't y'all be leaving the city? Like the last time we did this, some of y'all got crushed by a marshmallow. Does anybody remember it's that? New York. I keep telling you. I know you do. The people would be there in New York. I know you keep Absolutely. I know. And yet. So, um, Egon says the shell is pulsing with evil and that they need positive energy to break it. And he doesn't think there's enough goodwill in the town to break through it. Egon says they need a symbol. Egon says something good. Ray says something decent. Peter says something pure. Winston doesn't say anything because Winston's lies tend to be four words or less in this movie. (laughs) And so... They go to the Statue of Liberty and they cover the stat. They cover the inside of the Statue of Liberty with ectoplasmic cum. They literally have two silver canisters, look like uncircumcised dicks, and they spray ectoplasmic cum all over the inside of the Statue of Liberty. And this is where the movie gets stupid, ladies and gentlemen. They spray ectoplasmic cum throughout the Statue of Liberty and then. They set up a sound system to play Jackie Wilson and they hook up a fucking Nintendo Entertainment System Advantage joystick. Mm-hmm. You gotta have make people have fun. That's fun, 1989. No, nah, it's because it's a children's movie. That's why they did it, because they knew kids were gonna come and see it. I'm wondering how much Nintendo paid to get their controller in there. What's the face? I don't even know if there was a uh, if there was a video Janine game that came out. To go, wanted to play Mario Brothers, right? Not even Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers, Mario Brothers. But um, like they didn't even. I don't know if they had a, a a Ghostbusters game that came out at the same time. Probably so. Um, but the fact that they use an Nintendo controller as one of their prime control one of their prime components to their success. Dude, dude, this is almost as bad as on The Wizard when they popped up with uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 as part of The Wizard, and that's what drew kids in to want to see that movie. 
I think that came out in 1989 too. It feels like it. S- Super Mario 3. I think that mm-hmm. Super Mario 3. That came out in 1990. 1988 in Japan. 1990 here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jackie Wilson supercharges the innards of the Statue of Liberty, and an actual flame sparks on the torch that she holds, and her feet start moving separately from one another so she can actually walk down the fucking street. And Ray really thinks this will get the city's positive energy flowing. And I disagree personally, because if I'm already being chased by ghosts and the Statue of fucking Liberty comes walking down my street, I'm positive that I'm going (laughs) to piss myself. It's Lady Liberty. I don't give a fuck. A marshmallow man came down the street five years ago. A marshmallow man came down the street five years ago. A giant white man came down the street. This is a beautiful... (laughs) curvaceous Amazonian woman that that got made into a green woman. That's right. And so I would have freaked out. I would have pissed myself. Also, Lewis is suited up in a Ghostbusters outfit um, and the Statue of Liberty's neck now works because it's looking down at people. And it's also small enough to fit on a city street that's part with people lining the streets. I didn't think the Statue of Liberty was that small. Uh, I mean, if I walk, if I walk outside, big. right. If I walk outside and I look at my street, I don't think the Statue of Liberty would be able to walk comfortably down the middle of my street. No, not your neighborhood street. <laughs> not, not one of the. This wasn't a four lane. This wasn't. This maybe two lanes on. Well, four lanes total, yes. But that's the same as what we got on my on on one of the main streets out here. I still don't think it'll be able to rock that. It's pushing it. Yeah. Especially when they have people literally having to line up behind police lines because they want to stand there and gawk at the motherfucker. Gawk? Gawk at the motherfucker. Gawk. Gawk. Yeah. Um, let me see. She also crushes the car. Just to show people the Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. She crushes the car. Um... Lewis. That does get people excited. I saw some college kids tearing up cars this weekend because some team won the football game. So that, that was Bill Murray's. Uh, so the person, the doctor in the asylum interview scene, that was Brian Doyle Murray. So someone related to him. Mm-hmm. Way to put your people on. Look at him. Right. Nepotism. It's a thing. Um Lewis is about to catch a bus that's being driven by Slimer. And that made me wonder, is Slimer considered by other ghosts? Is Slimer like the house nigga of ghosts? No, Slimer's just, they have good ghosts and they got bad ghosts. Slimer's a good ghost. He's not evil. He's not haunting anybody. He just wants to eat. Every time we see him, he's just eating. Okay, that's what we're thinking. Are ghosts thinking that he's a house nigga? Because the job of the Ghostbusters is to kill ghosts or to put them away or lock them up. But they got Slimer as a pet. He's one and of none the of them ones. even mention him in the movie. None of them even reference him. Janine doesn't oh, reference Slimer. him. Lewis doesn't reference him. Apparently, there was a whole backstory uh, where... Um, it's supposed to be a running gag in the film where Lewis would try and trap Slimer to try and prove himself as a Ghostbuster, which is why at the end of the film, 
where he removes the slime or thinks he removed the slime from the outside of the museum, that's the only part that stayed from that running gag. Lewis was trying to become a Ghostbuster, and so he was going to catch Slimer who's floating around inside the uh, firehouse. That's a good point. Now, it's almost midnight and the possession is taking place, but the Statue of Liberty looks over the top of the museum and distracts Janos, and Dana runs away with Oscar. Lady Liberty's positivity causes the slime to move away from the building, and she breaks the glass with her torch, and the Ghostbusters repel in and hose Janos down with cum, and then Vigo shows up. And they shoot him, but it doesn't work. And Vigo paralyzes the Ghostbusters and goes to Oscar, who was hidden by Peter, but he's literally walking and talking as a person. So I'm like, if you're out here walking and talking, then why'd you need a baby? Uh, Excellent point. And Peter starts talking trash about Vigo. Here comes the most excellent point. I challenge you to say that this is an excellent point. Peter starts talking trash about Vigo, culminating in him telling him, telling Vigo that he should have gotten a place in the San Francisco Fernando Valley of Southern California. So and he isn't in porn? No, but he isn't wrong. Peter is not wrong. If Vigo had been any fucking where other than the tri-state area, he takes over the world. Because the Ghostbusters are only located in New York. So if he had been in the San Fernando Valley of Southern California, unchecked, would have taken over the world, period. I think, you know what? Another good point. Like, of all the places you could have landed at, <laughs> you landed the place where the niggas live right up the street and one of their ex-girlfriends works at the building that you work at. That's just bad luck. Um... Everyone's paralyzed again, and they can hear the people out front singing Alt Lang Sign because it's, you know, New Year's. It's midnight, so they're going to do it regardless. But also, it's a positive moment, which helps them to be able to move again. And Vigo's back in the painting, growling like the 20th Century Fox logo. Um, And then he possesses Ray again and tells him that he will rule the Earth. And they shoot Ray with cum and blast the picture with proton packs and cum. And so right as well, the, you got to keep calling it cum. Because it looked like it. It really did. If it was anything else, I'd say it was something else. But it didn't look like foam. It could be marshmallow. It didn't look, it didn't look like marshmallow. It literally looked like when you skied off. Every time they sprayed it, all I said in my head was, ah, skeet, 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 skeet. I wonder if they did that on purpose. I feel like they did. The same way the bust and made me feel good was in the first movie. But they uh, destroy Vigo right as Lewis starts shooting at the shell outside of the building. And so as Vigo's destroyed, the shell comes off and Lewis thinks he did it. And everybody comes and um, congratulates him. Uh, there's also a scene where Ray uh, got possessed by um, Vigo and then took off speeding, like drove drove crazily down the street. And um, they cut that out. 
but they added parts of it into the montage that happened later on in the film. When Lewis put on the Ghostbuster suit and equipment and runs out the HQ, he immediately quipped about the proton pack being heavy, and that's a reference to the complaints from actors uh, throughout the filming of the first movie that the proton pack props were too heavy. Uh, Yanos is super positive now, and so is Ray, due to the positive come. And Winston summons seven words to tell the fellows to come and look at the portrait of Vigo now, which is changed into a painting of the four of them and baby Oscar. And all of them look as they actually are, except for Winston. This is not a joke, ladies and gentlemen. Winston looks nothing like he does in real life in this picture. Everybody else, pretty much spot on. And I was just like, we just going to do this for the whole movie, ain't we? <laughs> we just. I don't gonna, remember the picture. I'm about to look it up. We just ain't going to let this dude live, the pic- are You talk about the pictures at, at the end, right? Uh-huh. The... um. The picture that they had of all of them standing yeah, around the baby museum. Oscar at the museum. Yeah, they all look great, except for Winston, who looks like he's doing the this face in a Mac Dre video. No, that looks like that looks like um Ernie Hudson. It it does it though. I'm looking right at it. This looks like Ernie Hudson. Does it though? Let me send it to you. This no, looks I got, like Ernie I took Hudson. Pictures of it because I'm gonna put it up on, on Twitter. But does it though like everybody else looks just like themselves it looks just and like Ernie him. Hudson looks like fucking not D-Ray what's the nigga's name from Leprechaun in the Hood the light skinned nigga that, I mean that looks like Ernie Hudson to me he looks like a mad magazine drawing Nah, I'm not gonna. I can't go with that. I'm a, that I'm looks like Ernie Hudson. Hey, li- hey, listeners, go ahead and go to hindsight uh, review. They even got Twitter. his line. They got him with a, a fresh lineup. Ernie Hudson never had a lineup that fresh. R e v u e s. Go ahead and go to uh, hindsight reviews on Twitter and take a look at it and let us know if you think that Winston looks like Ernie Hudson in that painting. Because I say no, and Brandon says yes, and I so y'all will get the final vote. Um, I'm with you on the other stuff. That looks like Ernie Hudson. Okay. The problem is, Brandon, if it looks like Ernie Hudson, you're think you may be thinking of Ernie Hudson from Oz from 2000. He didn't look like that in 1989. Yeah, he looked older in 1989, and he did in Oz. <laughs> Ozzy um, looks younger. Ray Parker's version of Ghostbusters makes me feel good plays, and the movie ends. And now the whole city's cheering for him again, but they'll forget in five years. And then they play uh, the best Ghostbusters theme song ever at the end during the credits again. Slimer also gets. I love how Ghostbusters does the credits, where they keep showing people doing stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was a big thing in the 80s. A lot of things from the 80s and 90s didn't they bring back like opening credits. We never have opening credits anymore, ever. There's never opening credits. There's never theme songs. Very rarely are there theme songs that you that you can attach to movies or TV shows anymore. Like, like Secession's theme song is dope. Game of Thrones theme song is dope. But those are HBO shows, like regular shows, you know, and you definitely don't get theme songs for movies anymore. When's the last time a movie had a theme song that you remember? 
I can't think one. of one. They have like, you know, they have like the you know like the Black Panther sound or the Avengers, you know, the Marvel movies about to come on sound like you know that little twenty seconds thing, but it's not a theme song. Mm-hmm. These movies used to have theme songs. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had a theme song. So I don't know. I missed that, and I like how they have the credits and you get to see everybody doing shit, and you get they get their they get their shine like and they it's like a it's like you know remember how Family Matters used to come on mm-hmm. and they would always show the people like doing regular shit, then they turn and look at the camera. Yeah, they don't do that no more. We need to bring that back. We need to petition that back. I will keep that in mind. We'll peti- we'll petition it together. Good. So, uh, next week, we are doing uh, the Ghostbusters remake. I think they call it Ghostbusters Answer to Call. I love it, personally. I'm going to tell you straight out. I, I, I thought it was phenomenal, but I have the same issue with that one that I have with this one. So, I won't speak on it as much, I guess, because I've already spoke on it a lot here. But Leslie Jones did get fucked over, both by the writers and by the public as a whole. She definitely got fucked over by the public. I don't remember the movie enough. I think I believe you're right, though. But I don't remember the movie. I only remember those two people in the movie and Chris Hemsworth being a fucking idiot. <laughs> the entire I film. Wait. I cannot wait. Just playing the dumbest character of all time. That's what I took from the film the most. And yet the nigga was like Thor and Doctor Strange, how he could just make shit appear in his hand. Like, give me a drink. <laughs> the cop it's it's dope. Um but I do remember people I do remember white some white particularly white men white being men. mad about Leslie Jones mm-hmm. uh, in this film. I do remember that. And the fact that the only Ghostbuster that was referenced in the film, Dan Aykroyd was in the film, but he wasn't referencing the Ghostbuster. Mm-mm. Her uncle Winston drove a hearse. Oh, that's what she was talking about? Mm-hmm. Ha, I never put that together. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm like, the fuckery continued. Um, y'all can send us a voicemail at 916-633-1537. Uh, you can email us at uh, hindsightmoviereviews, R-E-V-U-E-S, at gmail.com. Brandon is on Twitter at that cool black nerd. Black is B-L-K. Um, I'm on Twitter at Rashani. The show is on Twitter at Hindsight Reviews, R-E-V-U-E-S. You can leave a review for the show on Podchaser and then copy that and paste it into a review for Apple Podcasts and then copy that and paste that into a review for uh, Good Pods, uh, which is an app. And we do want to thank each and every one of y'all who are uh, listening to us on Good Pods. We greatly appreciate it. you can donate to the show at uh, patreon.com slash uh, SS or patreon.com slash single simulcast. Um, also at uh, buymeacoffee.com slash SSCast. And on the Good Pods uh, app, you can go to our tip jar and leave money there. Thank each and every one of y'all who check us out. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, Brandon, you got anything else? No, check out. Uh, we're back doing insecure reviews on Why So Serious podcast. Uh, we really love that show. So if you like it, check that out. It's really dope. I do encourage each and every one of y'all to check them out. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it. 
thank y'all so much for listening. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace. Music for Hindsight is Coffee by Cambo Smith, and it's from the Free Music Archive. This is Single Simulcast.